What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Here we go, folks. Another episode of Positively Trek with your hosts. That's me, Dan Gunther, and of course, Barry DeFord. Barry, excited to be talking Trek with you again today. Absolutely. This is uh, always a, a wonderful way to, I guess, sort of start end the week. I don't know if, do you consider Sunday the beginning of the week or the end of the week? Oh, I mentally, I feel like the end of the week, but, you know, big calendar will have you believe it's the beginning. So I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the neutral zone on, in a hockey rink for me. It depends on the direction of things. If I've had mm. a hard week, then it's the end of the week. And if I'm looking forward to the week, then it's, it's the beginning. So. That, that makes sense. You know, so many things in our lives are, are you know, dependent on our experiences and, and kind of in flux a little bit. So I, I like that. The kind of uh, the quantum week, you know, is it the beginning of the week? Is it the end of the week? We're not sure till the waveform collapses. Yeah. So Time isn't real. <laughs> well, we also have another special guest with us today who I'm really excited to have on. Uh, she's a, a frequent contributor to Positively Trek lately, and we're excited to have her in a flagship show episode. Jesse Earl, welcome to Positively Trek. Hey, I'm I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. It's it's always interesting because I listen to the podcast regularly, and then it's always like whenever I get to be on a podcast, I listen to it, it's like oh oh I'm I'm participating now. <laughs> I'm not just listening to you two talking about calendars. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're so happy to have you here. We we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, I was kind of going back over previous episodes with you in it, and we, we've had you talking about episodes when they come out and things like that, but we've never really done a true like fan focus on you. And I, I think that would be a lot of fun to do for the discussion, as well as some exciting projects that you have coming up that we're definitely going to talk about. I'm excited about that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you. I'm, 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 I'm a weird dork who makes videos on the interwebs so I can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're uh, in very good company with that particular job description. 
Mm-hmm. And some bad company, but mostly good company. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> There's both sides of that for sure. Absolutely. Still sort of feeling the newcomer syndrome um, to the show as well. And, and my, my almost complete non-existence on all forms of social media. I do actually <laughs> feel like... Jesse, you're you're as much of a a co-host as I am, if not, you know, probably more of a mainstay and a little more, um, I guess, well seasoned, as uh, Deanna Troy would say, um, but in a, in a good way um, for uh, for the role. So it's wonderful to finally get to like talk to you face to face. I actually, well, virtual face to face. I don't know. Have we have we ever met in person? Do you think? Like, I don't. I've met a lot of people. To be fair, same thing. It's like I've met a lot of people, so we may have, but I don't know for sure. But I do want to say really briefly on what you just said, uh, like you've been doing great as a host, Mm -hmm. by the way. I've been, like I said, I've been listening to every episode and, you know, Miss Bruce, it was nice to have him back for the High Country uh, book review. But Barry, you've stepped into his place and done a wonderful, amazing job. And it's been great to listen to you to continue on the torch and and have more discussions that I really enjoy listening to. So you've been fantastic. That means a lot coming from you. Thank you, Jesse. Oh, thank you. Awesome. And and here, here. Absolutely. So, well, uh, we're going to talk about some news today before we get to the main discussion. And unfortunately, because we didn't have a regular episode last week, we're kind of coming to this a little bit late. But there's some big news, a big discovery, a big <laughs> crossfield class sized starship <laughs> elephant in the in the room here that we need to talk about. And that is uh, the news that Star Trek Discoveries fifth season will be its last one uh, coming next year in 2024. So, I mean, I feel like everybody and their dog have given their thoughts on this online and you know what? Guess what? Now it's our turn. So, <laughs> <laughs> see, no, my 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 thing is, I don't think it's ending. I think it just jumped a thousand years in the future, and season six will premiere in like uh, three thousand twenty four. <laughs> oh my goodness, I love it. Yeah, the the Paramount Studios, they're just not allowed to talk about it. It's been sealed. Nobody can yeah, speak it's of it. Like Section thirty one's come in, so you can't talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> So yeah, definitely sad news. Uh, you know, it's the Star Trek that ushered in the new era of Star Trek. If nothing else, you have to kind of give it that. And uh, it's a show that I've really appreciated. I think it's done a lot of things to to bring ideas into Star Trek that haven't been explored in the way that they should be in Star Trek up till now and, and still room to grow on that. But, you know, they got the conversation going on a lot of those as well. So yeah, I don't know. I'm sad um, I'm glad we're getting the fifth season and they haven't just shut everything down and thrown everything in the trash like some other production companies have done with things out there, which like, man, if that had happened, I'd be incons- inconsolable at this point. And it sounds like, too, they're going back to make it a series finale. I heard, too. There were, yeah. The actors are talking about having to go back and refilm, which sucks that they didn't know in the first place, but at least sounds like they'll be able to wrap it up, which is nice. Mm hmm. I feel like, uh, and and I'm kind of echoing some of the stuff that was said recently on the Weekly Trek podcast, Alex Perry's podcast, where I I think I would have sat with this a little better if they'd said, like, the next season of Discovery will be the last and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're doing the sixth and final season, that'll be the last. Or if they said, we're going to do an extra three episodes to kind of wrap everything up. I'm Mm -hmm. a little worried that like, it sounds like they kind of had season five in the can, at least production wise. And then now they're going back and kind of rejiggering some stuff, which I mean, we'll see the final product when it comes out, but 
you got to feel bad for the cast and crew working on that now that yeah. like that's just yeah. changed now. I think that um, Discovery is the perfectly imperfect in so many ways. And I would rather a solid fifth season than dragging out the sort of canonical seven that we would expect. I have to like in my memory, I was a lot more upset about Enterprise getting canceled than than Discovery. And I guess like maybe it's because like to be perfectly frank, I like Discovery. I enjoyed it, but I've always kind of kept it a bit more at arm's length. Like I have embraced Picard a lot more, Lower Decks, Strange New Worlds, uh, Prodigy. Um, I feel like it birthed a lot of really great ideas, like you said, Dan, but it's it's not really carrying as much as, say, these other shows are. And for it to kind of step back in this moment, I think is actually a sensible move. I think some of the ideas that can be explored in the new Star Trek can be done in the current fleet of of shows that are happening. And I don't know. I feel like they'd really tried to do a lot. Discovery was probably the most ambitious Star Trek project I have ever seen. And it didn't it didn't land all the time and that's okay and it be, and we always have to go by profitability i'd love to see a full 7 7 season arc but if we can't get that i'm happy with 5 cuz it could have been 0 mhm mm-hmm. i mean my my take on it is you know i i think it's bittersweet um for a lot of different reasons uh as you say discovery to me has always been uh perfectly imperfect i it's definitely one that i enjoy but i also uh understand like there's a lot of mistakes or stumbling blocks that it's hit along the way but i think that is part of you know the growing pains of it having been the flagship show and coming in and trying to do something new with star trek while also trying to figure out what star trek is today while also still trying to figure out what star trek is overall and constantly trying to find that balancing act and i think a lot of ways you know it, it stumbled a lot but i think those were necessary stumbling blocks and i think a lot of what Star Trek is today, uh, you know, from Strange New Worlds to Picard to Lower Decks to Prodigy, I think every single one of those shows and whatever comes after are going to owe themselves to the lessons that Discovery both uh, learned as it grew and also the lessons that it taught. Um, because I think, if anything, the thing that I always appreciate Discovery for is I think it is the first Star Trek show to, I think, fully... Uh, encapsulate that sort of Gene Roddenberry vision of taking delight in the differences of others and differences of life forms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like like other Star Trek shows have definitely been diverse. They've definitely tried to showcase that diversity, but in a lot of ways, some of the time it was very uh, it was um, diverse, but not necessarily always inclusive. Um, a lot of the time, you know, you look at something like Voyager with Chakotay and it's sort of like kind of offensive stereotypical portrayal of indigenous people. You know, you look at Enterprise and I was literally I'm writing a script about an episode of Enterprise that's dealing with race. And it's like Anthony Montgomery, the one black man in that show, didn't even appear in the episode. <laughs> it's like and, uh, you know, it's it's you know, it, it, it's a problem of that era of Star Trek. And again, not, it, it did did do well in certain areas of that. I don't want to sort of turn that down. But Discovery, when it came in. It exploded that, and I think in a really beautiful way, of not only being just a diverse Star Trek show, in fact, the most diverse Star Trek show. I remember in season two, I was sitting there watching a scene, I'm like, there's not a, and no offense, I love I love my straight cis white het dudes, they're great, uh, but I just watched him, there's not a straight cis het white dude in this, in this entire scene, and there's like, 10 characters, and I adore that. Again, no shade, I adore you all, my Captain Pike is one of my favorite captains of all time. But, uh... 
the uh, the other element of that is that it was inclusive. Like the characters on Discovery uh, and both the actors behind them got to showcase who they were in a way that felt authentic and real. I mean, I can speak as a queer person, like watching the queer found family and not just having one queer person having to be the, the embodiment of all queer representation. But you have like six or seven queer characters on that show yeah. um, mm-hmm. and they get to form a family and form a bond in a way that felt very realistic to me. Um, and, and that felt very authentic. And I know that that's the case for many other communities and cultures on that show as well. And I think that that's something you look at, you know, other Star Trek shows that have carried that forward with like non-binary characters in Strange New Worlds and Prodigy, bisexual characters in, in Lower Decks, characters of different cultures, backgrounds, you know, races, skin colors, sexualities, all of that in all of the shows. And I think that that is a testament to what Discovery has done. Um, and then it also just tried out new things and weird storylines. Like, you know, it's sometimes fallen on its face. You know, sometimes the serialized storytelling doesn't always work. But it, it always swings for something big and different. And I always appreciate the big ambitious thing rather than the, the like, oh, yeah, that was fine. Yeah, that was, that was okay. It was just the, it was the going through the numbers, paint by the, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it is it is bittersweet. And the other two things, just to add to the end, I know I'm rambling a lot, but I have a lot to think about this one. But it's just, uh, number one, see, five seasons, nothing to nothing to scoff at. Five seasons, mm-hmm. especially today in TV where things get like two or three seasons, maybe. Five seasons of a show uh, is, I think, a rounding success. Um, it's, you know, it may not have gotten more episodes, but in terms of seasons, it got more than Enterprise, got more than the original series. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there's that element of it. And then two, this doesn't mean the end of Discovery as like a, a story, you know, there's, you know, books, comics, definitely a hundred percent we're going to be getting more of those. And who's to say, you know, the Star Trek universe is constantly expanding. Who's to say other characters won't show up in other things. That's really, really succinct and well said, actually, Jesse. And I, I think the only <laughs> thing that I would add is I think what you're exploring explaining or how i understand it is the idea that objectively speaking discovery being canceled is like kind of ho-hum not terribly happy about it but Mm -hmm. subjectively just like star trek the original series yeah it only had three seasons and look what it spawned right it's that Mm -hmm. same idea Mm -hmm. that though imperfect in its own sense the ideas that it shapes the 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 paradigms that it challenges in its time right is is the actual reason and it's that kind of like it doesn't matter what show it is what matters is our plan and our plan mm-hmm. is to celebrate diversity our plan is to envision and imagine a post scarcity society that is interested in embracing our differences and learning from them and growing and joining that you know um I guess in their case, interspecies, but with us joining the human family, right? And and, and being a part of that and exploring that in its imperfections, right? Uh, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, well said. And I think Discovery definitely sets a high watermark for Star Trek in a lot of those areas. And I really hope the discussions that are happening now with regards to the shows that are currently continuing to go forward, as well as anything new that might come up and we'll talk a little bit about maybe what that future of star trek looks like uh i hope they're looking to discovery and saying okay now how do we match that or exceed it going forward how do we keep that momentum going you know uh, it, it doesn't really escape my notice that discovery is the series that's led by a woman of color right now mm. and looking at the remaining shows the live action ones anyway they're not quite on on that level. <laughs> Again, yeah. total disclaimer, I love Captain Pike. I love Patrick Stewart and, and Picard, obviously. They're, they're amazing characters and wonderfully played. 
But I think that was something special that Discovery brought to the Star Trek universe. And I hope Mm -hmm. not just for the sake of ticking a box, but for the sake of continuing that uh, great representation as well as, like you say, inclusion, uh, that that is at the top of the whiteboards for whatever planning is coming next in Star Trek. Yeah, I agree. I hope that whatever next show gets greenlit in live action uh, definitely has someone from, you know, a background who doesn't necessarily get... um you know, displayed in the lead role of shows, you know, like uh, Sneaker Martin Green killed it uh, as Burnham. And she was such like, you know, they always talk about like how whoever leads a Star Trek show, like really becomes like the the emblem of what that show stands for and and sort of like grounds the cast and also sort of represents the show to everyone. Um, You know, you see that with every cast member, um, like from Patrick Stewart to Kate Mulgrew have done that Scott, Scott Bakula. And, you know, Sneeko Martin Green did that too, and she she did it with a blom. You know, I remember I had she was at Emerald City Comic Con a few years ago, and I just remember I got to, I did a picture with her, and then I also asked her a question during her panel. And one of the sweetest things, you know, she did she you know didn't owe me anything. You know, she she could have just been I could have been one of a billion fans, but both times when I when I did a picture with her, she like looked me straight in the eye, was the sweetest human being. I said thank you so much for bringing Star Trek back, and she just gave me a big hug. Um, and then when I asked her a question, I asked her at the time, it was before we had trans characters, like official trans characters. It was right during season two. And I asked her a question about, you know, trans characters on the show, mm, excuse me, on the show. And she like looked me right in the eye and like, just like, and it was like in a sea of thousands of people. She like looked me in the right in the eye and made sure to make me feel seen in a crowd of thousands of people. And, and she answered it with, with, with grace and, and like just a lot of thought. Um, and I just, yeah, she, she was amazing. So, you know, big, uh, big shoes to fill. Uh, after after her, and I hope someone who does come along is also someone who gets a chance that normally wouldn't have. I think that that would be that would be amazing. And also, it's important to point out too that um you know we have uh, uh, Mariner and Doll who are both you know people of color as well, leading mm-hmm. their own animated shows too. So there's still there's still that element of it in Star Trek that I, I appreciate. So well, let's talk a little bit about the future of Star Trek on television then, because, you know, we, we kind of had this, uh, huge year 2022, you know, like 48, was it week straight weeks of Star Trek? And, mm-hmm. you know, that was kind of a, a record for us. And, uh, going forward, we have, we have all these plans of series that get talked about. Section 31 comes up every once in a while. It's still a bit <laughs> right, question in the rumor there. mill. <laughs> <laughs> um, Starfleet Academy gets talked about more and more every week, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like there's still more Star Trek to come, but we also, on the flip side, have these reports that Paramount is saying we're going to have to cut some of the the spending and streaming and all this sort of stuff. And people wondered what effect that would have on Star Trek. And then a week or two later, I think we found out. So what what are your thoughts on what we might see going forward? Is there going to be five or more series running concurrently? Do you think that's going to scale back to, I mean, we're going to be down to three uh, once Picard is done. If there's no, and, and Discovery is done, obviously, uh, if there's no further announcement of new series at that point. My my guess, this is just, this is me wildly speculating. On the live action side, I think it's going to be Strange New Worlds for just a, a minute, um, maybe a season or two. And then I think that it's going to depend on what those seasons, the, the seasons of that show kind of do to sort of see if they're going to be willing to spend the money. Because yeah, at the moment, there's a lot of like contraction going on in, in Hollywood, of like things like being cut, you know, streaming, you know, streaming wars have gone on. And so now everyone's sort of like being like, all right, now we need to cut back a little bit. You've seen the same thing with like 
Disney Plus and Star Wars things and Marvel TV shows are kind of doing the same thing. So I think it's really going to be Strange New Worlds for at least a season or two. Um, and then I think they're going to sort of do, go from there whether or not it's worth it. So we'll we'll kind of have to keep an eye on, on enthusiasm um, there, I think. The, what will be more interesting to me uh, to be, be curious will be the animated side. Mm-hmm. Because I've also seen you look at Netflix and things and you see... Um, also, a lot of contraction there too. A lot of like you know animated shows being canceled. So, but also they're they're a lower risk and they keep the fan base you know going, especially something like Lower Decks. You know that's a show that like gets us Trekkies excited. It keeps us you know buying Paramount Plus. Um, and so and and I know p- for people at Paramount, I'm sure like the Trekkies are like a big audience that they want to keep keep coming back. That's why they've invested so much in Star Trek. And so I think we're like a probably a core pillar of like their subscription base <laughs> at this point, my assumption would be. So Lower Decks is part of that, I'm sure. So I'm sure that, that you know, we'll see sort of see what's going to be interesting there. I don't know for sure. I could see it going either way, considering the animation contraction and things like that. But I also could see it be going because it's cheaper and it keeps people invested. Um, at least on the you know enthusiastic fan side, and then Prodigy too. Um, you know, you know, kids shows it gets it's a nice little uh, you know uh, way to get kids into Star Trek, and I think that they see that. But I also know like there's been you know hectic production stuff. Um, you know, through the grapevine, I've heard some stuff on that. Uh, so you know, I'm sure you know nothing, nothing bad. Everyone's great on that show and amazing. But uh, but yeah, no, I'm just like I'm I'm curious to see where the animated side of things is going to. Um, is going to go. Whereas live action, I'm more just like, I'm sure it's just going to be based off of what Strange New World does going forward. I would echo a lot of that. And I think, you know, kind of kind of where, where I come from, politically speaking, we we would see this as the idea that, that social justice and, um, you know, advancing a progressive concept of, of society is never as profitable as things that go boom. And mm-hmm. so, you know, just like season three of Star Trek, the original series was its last season and it broke a lot of ground. I mean, obviously, in hindsight, we can see it stepped on a lot of rakes as well in that respect. But um, I would agree with you that that what they're seeing now is they can pump out as many shows as they want and they'll get a lot of viewership. But the profitability comes in the marketing. It comes in the merchandising. And, you know, with everything contracting right now in our economy, we are a consumer based economy that needs to constantly be adding and so Star Trek doesn't really lend itself to adding. It's a it's a pretty solid group. Like if you think about the the letter writing campaign that kept the original series going, we've never been as profitable as say what George Lucas was able to do or what Disney Marble Amoeba uh, has been able to create uh, and all that sort of stuff. So if our writers and the producers are brave. And I, this is a this is totally a shout out and a challenge, which is coming from some you know podcasting nobodies myself. And I know they're not necessarily <laughs> listening, but um, if they're brave, they'll keep this going because I think politically speaking, in our society, we are moving into some very dangerous territory. And mm-hmm. a television show like Star Trek that is pushing the envelope and doing what what should be done to represent people. And, and you know, you saying like ten people on a on a in a scene, and none of them are straight white cis males that's that's a sign of progression um i don't Mm -hmm. want to do too much flexing here but when i got to speak with nichelle nichols a number of years ago now you know she talked to me we talked mostly about the black panther party uh, bobby seal um fred hampton and her thoughts on that and i remember thinking to myself it was a political statement to put her on the bridge uh, at that time and you Mm -hmm. know when we think about yeah the trans queer non-binary characters you know an actual actually identifying as the characters they're playing too right like we had we had two gay men in a 
relationship with each other acting as that, right? Like that's super important. That's, that's extremely, um, and I know it maybe, you know, in 60 years we can look back and be like, you know, duh. duh. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. But I actually, Hopefully, I think yeah. we're, we're in a place right now where that's not necessarily possible and, mm-hmm. and we could head in a very dark and dangerous direction. So from a pers- perspective of being a, you know, the pop cultural wing of a social movement, Star Trek can can rise to the occasion here. And I hope they don't uh, acquiesce to greedy shareholders uh, wanting high profits and instead mm-hmm. go for broke and really make a statement. Because I think we as a, as a fandom um, are becoming more safe and are becoming more uh, accepting and are showing that that we put our money where our mouth is and it's something that I'm really personally like proud of and as much as I don't get to watch as much Star Trek as I'd like to you know identifying my 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 personal fandoms and stuff like that as you know Star Trek at the center is 100% for that reason so here's hoping I'm a little cynical and I'm worried that we might sort of see these kind of all these extra shows get kind of slowly whittled away but uh here's hoping yeah, I, I I echo all of that. I think like um you know Star Trek is is I think a necessary thing today. You know it's I I a lot of the TV shows that I watch are sometimes darker right now. Like I love Severance. You know I think shows like that. It's like I love TV shows like that where it's like they're speaking to things today. Like Severance is very much about like corporate culture and how it creates these awful things. You know Star Wars Andor, which is very much up against like fascism and rising fascism. Like mm-hmm. I want to go and punch a Nazi after every episode. It like has me so energized. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, so those shows are necessary, and I think we need them, especially today, as as things do seem to be taking a turn for the dark at the moment. But I think we need to have shows like Star Trek, which show us that like, but this is what we're fighting for. Mm-hmm. Like those shows are here to show us what we're fighting against um those shows are star trek is here to show us what we fight for and i think that is just as necessary if not more necessary mm-hmm. um today like you look at um you know that's something i always say is like as we say rising fascism in, in you know around the world right now you know fascists are in it for the fight the, go- the goal the end in of it's- itself for them is fighting each other they like that that's what fascism built on eternal fighting People who want to fight fascism, we fight fascism because we have to, but we aren't aren't in it for the fight. We're in it for, you know, what we're fighting for, and that is a world like Star Trek. And so I think that that is important to have in our art um, out there so we can envision it. Because if you can't envision it, then then you, you can't really uh, think about it, you know? And, and, and when you say fight, when you say that sort of stuff, um, you know, fight and struggle kind of go hand in hand. And I think as a fandom... This is where we can actually, you know, express that into our our day-to-day lives, in how we work together, our our community. And we are more than just a a base to collect, you know, entertaining kitsch, right? We can can stand, you know, shoulder to shoulder with our queer, trans, LGBT um, friends, our our Black, Indigenous, people of color, you know, um, our ability to, to... help people who you know deserve a fair shake in their lives well you know like what do we what do we want as a society and you're right like i don't want to fight i want to argue about food that's ultimately mm-hmm. what i want to talk about i want to talk about how delicious different types of food are in the shows i like to watch but mm-hmm. if if you know a friend of mine is existentially being threatened by something you know like i think about my friend shashank at politrex um you know he's he's constantly living under the the gun of not being a, a full american citizen and stuff like that and, and mm-hmm. the possibility of being deported any moment um you know obviously coming from a queer perspective jesse you know you're up against a lot and and mm-hmm. that's where dan and i as cis white 
<laughs> at males, we can totally hide in plain sight, right? We can just continue buying our, our lovely little, you know, kitsch things and just go on with our lives. So I think maybe to some degree, being a Star Trek fan is a bit of a political statement now, and rightly so. I think I think it shares that we're 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 a community that is stronger together. Yep. You know, I think that that's that's again taking delight in our differences. Um, and, you know, it's you know the biggest thing against fascism. Fascism wants us to split up all all into little groups and say these little groups are against each other or all fighting each other. Um, but no, it's like we 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 take delight in each other and delight in our differences, and that makes us stronger together. We don't always agree. We don't always like uh, you know like get along exactly one to one every single time. But we we understand that the the assignment and the goal is to to come together to make something beautiful together. Um, and I think that that's that's amazing. And so, that's how you make yeah. it through a no win scenario. Exactly. <laughs> Hell yeah. And bring and it back that. to Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I'm loving this discussion. Let's uh, take a brief break. And when we come back, let's talk all about your fandom and uh, a lot of this energy. We're going to keep that going into this discussion here. So, Jesse, thank you again, once again, for coming on the show. Uh, you've been on the show a few times, but like I said at the top, we, we haven't really done a deep dig into your fandom and who you are and what makes you tick, what makes you a Star Trek fan and all of that good stuff. And I think we have a, a little bit of an inkling of it from some of the discussion earlier and some of the other discussions in other episodes, but... I really want to dig down into your fandom and, like Just I said, dig deep, deep into my psyche. Yeah, what makes you you? Mind melds, you know. <laughs> your paw is strong. <laughs> exactly. You pull, Dan. Why are you pulling on my ear? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of like all of the out of character things that Dan Gunther would ever do and touching someone else's ear is like the top of my list of the things Dan would never actually do. I feel like it's and the I'm... top of mine too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I'm just pulling everyone's ear. Every time I meet them, I'm just like, hey, let me feel your paw. That's great. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, first of all, I want to know, how did you become a fan of Star Trek? When? What's your earliest memory of of watching and enjoying Star Trek? See, I love telling this story. I've told it a couple times, um, and I, I love telling it because it's. I I think that I have laid claim to one of the weirdest ways to get into Star Trek, uh, and that is uh, the way I got into Star Trek was the Star Trek Nemesis audiobook, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is probably tells you why I love Star Trek books so much. Um, but uh, no, my my parents were divorced when I was a kid, and you know on weekends I would have to go to my dad's house. Um, and, uh, you know, it was an hour drive between their house, their houses. Um, and so my dad would always like put on audiobooks or radio shows. And one weekend he put on the Star Trek Nemesis audiobook. And I was like enraptured with it. Cause at that time they like for the audiobooks, they did like, you know, sound effects and things like that. And like music and all that jazz, like very much kind of what the Star Wars audiobooks do now. And so I was enraptured by it and I fell in love with it. And so I, I kind of, he was, he got it from the library. I kind of stole it and kept it. Um, and sorry, library, look, my local library, I support you, but uh, y you gave me something. So, um, <laughs> and so I, I listened to that over and over and over again. And then my dad was a Star Trek fan. He wasn't like the world's biggest, but he always enjoyed it. So he, for Christmas that year, went out and got me the latest DVD release at the time, which was Star Trek Next Generation Season 7. Uh, so the first episode after that I saw was Descent Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm like, 
I don't know. It's like, who's these Borg people? I don't data. I don't know what's going on, but I'm loving it. It's great. I was very confused. <laughs> uh, but watch that season. Uh, you know, it was an interesting season to, to go into. So Star Trek Nemesis right into season seven of TNG. It only goes up. Uh, <laughs> and then um, and then from there, I, I just started watching a bunch of like reruns on, um, you know, of TNG, DJ Sign on Spike TV, the Manly Man's channel at the time, which clearly did not work on me. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and then also, uh, my dad found out that Enterprise was on at the time and we didn't know it was a Star Trek show because it didn't have Star Trek in the title famously for its first two seasons. But I started watching Enterprise at the season finale of season two, which was The Expanse. So I kind of caught that show right at the right moment. Um, and then, uh, from there, just, uh, watched the entirety of, uh, the rest of Enterprise week to week. Was very upset when it got canceled, but that's when I fell into further into my love of Star Trek books. Um, cause that was what was coming out at the time. And I would read every, every release voraciously. And yeah, that's just kind of the, the general story. I, I love that introduction to Star Trek for a number <laughs> of reasons. A, I'm hugely into the books as a lot of people know, as, as you know, for sure. Mm-hmm. And B, I was thinking back on it and my introduction to Star Trek was I watched the original series on like Saturday mornings on CBC here in Canada uh, mm. instead, you know, for an hour instead of cartoons for that hour. And, uh, I didn't even know there was like a next generation show on until <laughs> season five. So I was looking at it and thinking back. And I think the first episode of the next generation I ever watched was redemption part two. I think it was the season five. Opening. <laughs> I always catch the part twos. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of funny too. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like, who's the Sila lady? What's going on, Tasha Yar? I'm confused. I met Sila before I ever met Tasha Yar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's a wild way to do it. I love it. Yeah. What I appreciate about, about hearing both of you kind of talking about this, and mine came from watching Balance of Terror as a child with my grandfather, who was in the Navy, mm. and he he was typically would drop be dropping depth charges on submarines trying to sink his boat, and he's like, this silence you hear is what we were feeling on the deck of the ship. He's like, well, I wasn't mm-hmm. on the bridge. He's like, but that silence, that fear, he's like, this is the closest it'll come to pay close attention. And then I would, you know, and then from there, what I've noticed though, is between the three of us, the, the way to Trek has always seems to me much more casual than other fandoms. Uh, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm overthinking this and maybe I'm trying to be like a Trek exceptionalist or something, but to some degree I find like our portrayal um, in pop culture, especially using say like the big bang theory as an example, um, we're nothing like those people, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> like those characters. Mm-hmm. And we, we get characterized as it a lot when you actually find out there's almost like a Zen to it of like between the three of us, we can all agree that we love Star Trek, but it's still a TV show. And mm-hmm. for that, your love of this TV show is kind of a personal thing. And we can talk about things that intersect in terms of what we love. And then we can kind of understand our own love of the fandom more so by hearing each other's story. But, you know, hearing yours, Jesse, I'm just like, how novel and, and sort of cute, you know, like uh, <laughs> yeah, some how, obscure how audio book. <laughs> <laughs> nice what I, what I love about, that's what i love about what you're saying with track is that like i think what's cool about it is that you, people come to it and they encounter it at different places uh but then they like that whatever that place they encounter it becomes like a door to like this whole like franchise of like oh then i found this little corner then this little corner got discovered and they, like the other way you know it, it kind of for me too though uh less directly so it was kind of more incidental but like kind of for me too i think a lot of ways other people find it too are through family members like parents you know, so 
common story that I hear. For me, that was my dad to a degree. What I again, what's great about that is with parents, they'll show you probably what they love. Like the parent will be like, "Here, here's Next Generation. I watched this as a kid." Um, you know, I, you know, if I ever have a kid, I'm sure I'll show them Lower Decks first and be like, "This is my favorite thing." <laughs> um, but then you know, if if your kid reacts to it and enjoys it, then they go and find their own corner of it. Like my dad doesn't know about Enterprise. He doesn't care about Lower Decks, but he loves Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. He watches those fairly regularly still to this day uh but like i went and found my own corner and my own appreciation of it that was separate from him so it's like these things that you can like share as a family but then go and find and part of it that resonates specifically with you that i think is is what's really cool about how big it is again infinite diversity infinite combinations and the fun part about that too is sometimes you can take those family members along with you on the ride a little bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because the reason I didn't know about The Next Generation or watch it until season five was my mom was a huge original series fan. She loved Captain Kirk and all of them. And when TNG was premiering, she's like, well, that's not my Star Trek. I'm I'm yeah. not going to bother with that. That's <laughs> not Star Trek, whatever that is. And I think my dad at one point said, you know, there's a Star Trek series on right now, right? And I was like, what? Excuse Um, me? (laughs) Mm -hmm. In the years since then, I've shared my fandom with my mom in particular. And now Deep Space Nine is her absolute favorite show. So that's like to kind of give that back and pay that back and, and, you know, bring my mom along into new parts of fandom. And now she's, you know, watching Picard weekly and all this stuff and, you know, talking to me like, oh, did you see what happened in the last episode? Oh my goodness. You know, it's great. I love it. So <laughs> that's what I'm getting at my dad back into with uh, Strange New Worlds. He, he mm. I tried to get him into Discovery and Picard. He didn't really resonate with either of those. His, no offense to Patrick Stewart, but my dad's saying, Patrick Stewart looks too old. It makes me feel old. <laughs> was, was I feel that. Issue with Picard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was, that was his thing with with Picard. Uh, nothing to do with the content. Uh, but Strange New Worlds, he's, he's really enjoying some hoping I can be like, all right, well, you like that, dad. Why don't you watch a little bit of Lower Decks, you know? Come, come, come join me. <laughs> come on, <now>, bus. <laughs> bus. <laughs> exactly. Lower deck. Um, so, yeah. So, no, it's, it, I agree completely. Maybe to some degree, Star Trek fandom also for me is the idea that like, like this is like a total huge like confession. Um, I am really bad at keeping up with TV shows like to, to get through Star Trek Prodigy and to do the review on it with Dan. I had to binge those episodes like the morning of like earlier, like as fast <laughs> as I could, because I realized like I'd just been putting off like sitting down to watch it. And it's because I'm occupied with a lot of other things in my life and everything. And I remember like feeling really bad at first and be like, oh, you know, what I have to say won't be as strong and we're not going to cover as much. And I'd love to do a rewatch again and all this sort of stuff. And I was, I don't know, I was like having a shower thought or something. And I was like, wait, I get it. I don't actually like the most important part about Star Trek fandom for me, weirdly, isn't necessarily the TV shows that are currently on and happening. Cause I just sort mm-hmm. of casually, like, as one would reach for a bowl of like, you know, nuts at, at a party, I'll just like consume a bit of Star Trek whenever I feel like it. But really, it's the people I get to talk with, it's the people who I get to encounter and meet and have these discussions with that really actually keeps me in the fandom. Everyone is just so interesting and I feel enriched just by having these, these interactions and getting a chance to talk about kind of the, the beautiful and more interesting things in life and hearing your story jesse gives me that reinforces that of like see it doesn't matter wherever we come from it 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 doesn't matter it does matter in the terms of like who we see ourselves as and how we how we portray our inborn nature but like 
a TV show ultimately is just a TV show. It's it's the yeah. people that make it something. You know, it's looking at the ensemble casts, uh, you know, diverse people doing amazing things, showing that they actually care for each other. Um, like that's one thing about Discovery I'm going to miss is I can really tell that that cast are friends. Like they are mm, definitely yeah. friends and friendly with each other. So yeah, I guess it's it's the opposite. There's a, a a obscure lyric from a band called Sloan in a song called Coax Me where they say it's not the band I hate it's their fans for me it's the opposite <laughs> it's not necessarily the TV show that I love it's the people for me I think I agree completely like for me Star Trek in, in kind of an interesting way you know as a kid I was bullied a lot you know I was you know also you know figuring out my own gender identity and sexuality and that sort of its own isolating feeling as well for a lot of different reasons but I was also you know I hate using this term but like I was overweight at least in my mind I was unhealthy because I didn't really care about myself for vast different reasons and and I was I was isolated a lot and for me Star Trek created this whole universe that I could go into that I felt like I had a bunch of friends and not only that like friends that I could identify with like characters like Jadzia Dax as a trans person I was like I feel some something here that I, I I don't feel it with anyone else. And that was really wonderful. And then getting to see like cast and crew is the beginning of the internet age. And you get to like learn, like that was around the time you get to learn more about the cast and crew as people. Um, and you kind of like, you know, kind of like parasocial relationships with them. And and that's like an incredibly meaningful thing that even to this day is is like, you know, I listen to all the podcasts that all the actors do. And that's like, you know, it's nice to, to be able to do that. And I've had the great joy of being able to meet some of the actors and even call some of them friends and people that work on the shows of friends and um, been very honored in that and so it's, it's it just creates this wonderful community and as a kid uh just staying there for a moment like it allowed me to you know again there's a lot of stories of like young trans kids queer kids finding themselves online and i found community too with star trek fans i used to write star trek fan fiction you know after enterprise ended i actually wrote star trek fan fiction uh a star trek enterprise fan fiction that's still out there somewhere um but i did it with people we had like our own virtual seasons that we wrote and that was just really nice to be creative with people and feel like i had a community there and then since star trek discovery has come back you know this is one thing i always love discovery for is like it allowed me again to you know i've always been a star trek fan it's always been going in my life but that like reignited this community and it allowed me to find people like both of you and everyone else that i've i've been able to meet and that's been really amazing because I've never felt more accepted, more loved, more more getting to be excited about something together with people than I have when, I, when I'm watching Star Trek. And, and uh, like one of the best experiences of my life was going to my first Star Trek convention last year, about a year ago, um, which was Star Trek Mission Chicago. And it was just like surrounded by Trekkies. And it was the one of the best experiences of my life. And it, it really felt like a culmination of, of a lot of this. So the real final frontier is the friends we made along the way. Yes, it is. <laughs> you were waiting on that. You were waiting. You thought about that a few minutes ago. Oh. You just sitting there waiting on it. Yeah, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> I, and I mean, I, I'm not, not to belittle that at all because that no, is I absolutely know, I know. true. I mean, yeah, the, the community that, that we've all found that we've all become a part of through Star Trek, I think is, what makes me keep coming back to this? Because if if this wasn't the case, if I didn't feel like I was in a big group of people who are like-minded, who have, you know, similar values to me and, and appreciate the things that I appreciate about Star Trek, it would just be a TV show, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's a testament to the values that are espoused and, and represented by Star Trek that they inspire this community. So it's this nice kind of feedback loop that, uh, you know, as long as good Star Trek keeps getting made, 
more more people, more interesting and fun and cool people will become Star Trek fans and a part of that community. And that will ensure that more gets made. So it it just speaks to like what this what this fandom is is that I really love is that it it, it enables us to have conversations beyond Star Trek. Like we like we just did a minute ago where it's like we're talking Star Trek da da da, and now we're just talking about like yeah f- fascism and we need to have political engagement. We need to be t- like representing diversity. Like it allows us to have those conversations while still feeling like we're here for something we love, not to be like yeah let's let's talk about fighting fascism today. Oh God! Like no, it's here to like talk about joy and happiness, and and I think that that's. Uh, you know, it's important to talk about those conversations, but it's 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 about like being able to do so in a joyous, happy way. And I love that, you know, when you go into these communities, you know, you you are, you know, I go to Star Trek conventions, I go to gun comic uh, con panels, I go on podcasts it's like we do have these other stronger conversations and it comes out of this shared love for a thing. Um, and I, I think that that's really important to be like we create a community out of joy, love, hope. Um, and then we have conversations about what we do from there uh, to to achieve that and continue that. Um, but it allows us to be constructive. You know, I look at, you know, I do a lot of like work on my own channel beyond Star Trek stuff about like looking at fascism or hate movements and a lot of the ways that they get they get built is they also form communities, but it's on hate and disinformation and, and sort of those nasty things. And and it, it just sort of like, you know, allows that sort of hatred and bigotry to breed in those communities. And so I think it's important to have a community that does sort of like center around uh, something constructive, something hopeful, something kind, and espouses those values very deliberately and explicitly. Because I think it allows those conversations to become that instead of it just being like, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love talking about what happens in episode three, season four of a show. Like, I'll do that nerdy minutia right along with you. But we can do more than just that, too. And I think that that's uh, I think that that's really a unique and wonderful thing about Star Trek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We get oversimplified into nerdy minutia a lot um, mm-hmm. and can sometimes be sort of dis- um, discarded out of hand because of that. Like, oh, you're just a nerd who this, that and the other thing. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's a hallmark and a pedigree to a Star Star Trek fan and a requirement to experience some form of ego death. I think in certain cases, the idea that <clears throat> a lot of Star Trek People who really love Star Trek, I find, um, understand the statement that true evil is a lack of empathy and mm-hmm. that as we as we learn more from each other, we learn more about ourselves and we learn what's actually important. And, you know, somebody feeling fulfilled, somebody feeling like their basic needs are met, someone feeling like they have something to hope for and strive for into the future, you know, is that idea that that we do have the possibility to invent our own future. And if you think of Star Trek's technological things like the flip phone, the the PADD, you know, representation of minority people or non-white, non-cis, non-het people um, in, in a meaningful way is the future that we as Trek fans are trying to invent. And we've mm. managed it to some degree. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah, the thing the thing you just made me think about is like, you know, there's two quotes that I really love about Star Trek. And I think that they, if you combine them together, they create something bigger. Um, and and it, I always sort of think about like collision uh, of ideas is what makes something stronger. You know, you have to, this idea, this idea, and by themselves they could be strong, but you combine them together, they bounce off of each other, they make something greater. Um, and I think that that's what community does. We, we we are all individual people and we create something greater. And, you know, the two quotes I'm thinking of is one of my favorite quotes of Star Trek is, uh, to paraphrase, it's from Data, we must strive to be more than we are. Uh, it doesn't matter if we never reach our ultimate goal, the effort yields its own rewards. And it's just about idea of like understanding that we are imperfect human beings and we're just striving to be better. As long as we are striving to be better and care about others, then we will, uh, we will 
it's that's the effort that's that's the goal and it combines with another thought of like taking delight in differences of life forms that's a that's a sort of paraphrase of a roddenberry quote and i think you you sort of put those two ideas together it's like we are individuals are imperfect but striving better and we take delight in differences of others it's sort of that collision of like we we make each other greater by striving to be greater individually but then colliding with each other and we make something greater together because we're colliding together both hoping to make something greater. Subjective and objective unity. <clears throat> Again. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> this has become like a, this is actually also, I think by the end of this, we're all going to have uh, honorary degrees in sociology. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> See, I, I love discussions like this. I love what this can spark in us. And, and this is wonderful. So uh, speaking of, of discussions with great depth and meaning, of course, <laughs> your, your main thing that a lot of star trek fans will know you from is your youtube channel the jesse gender uh youtube channel how did that get started how did you get going talking about star trek on that channel and many other topics as well not just star trek but uh definitely star trek videos are the ones that as soon as they come out i have to watch those <laughs> <laughs> and so i haven't done as many of those that i'm hopefully going to be you're going to be happy by the end of this month because there's gonna be a big one coming that i'll, I'll tease uh, in a little bit um but anyways uh yeah no i i so i went to film school because i again star trek was probably a big element in that but i went to film school and then i moved to los angeles right after that after i had come out as trans you know there's a whole new story there was trying to get into film there uh, and didn't really work out uh, super well, but a job that I did got did get was a job at The Advocate, which is an LGBTQ magazine, um, very famous one. Uh, they also the company also owns Out Magazine and Pride.com, so I got to work for those. But I was a video producer there, and while I was there, I started to be able to find my voice a little bit as a creator, like what I wanted to say. Like if you watch some of those early videos, if you go to Advocate and like look at what I did, it's like you can kind of see a little little element of, ba- of like Baby Jesse's style of content there, uh, very like aping Buzzfeed and things like that. Um, but I was like trying to figure out what I what I wanted to say, who I was with that when I was working there. But it was also still under the auspices of it, like it has to be advocate branded. So what I started to do is like, well, I I, I realized that I think just making things uh, is helping me find my voice and helping me figure out who who I am as a person. And so I started to do my own YouTube content because um, I'm just like. I'm just going to try and give myself a cadence. Like every week I'm going to get something out. I'm going to put something out every Friday. Uh, you know, it doesn't even have to be good, but it just has to be made. And I think that that's like, cause I think that's a lot of like a uh, hard part for a lot of like people who want to be creators get into is that like, they're just like, I have to make this great thing. And that feels overwhelming. And I just gotta, uh, I, I can't do it. And then you never finish anything. It's just like, well, I think the biggest thing that a creator can do for themselves is to be like, just make something. It doesn't have to be good. doesn't have to be perfect. Just make it and, and, and try and see and grow and learn and, and get it out there. And so I just tried doing that. And I just kept doing more and more YouTube stuff uh, every single week. You know, my, my jobs came and, and went you know i worked at um microsoft for a short time making youtube content for them uh but that job went away because they decided not to continue with that sort of stuff because you know big mega conglomerate they get excited about one thing for a couple months and then they were like ah we don't want to do that again uh and then people lose their jobs because you know welcome to capitalism uh so but doing all of that i was i was just continuing to do uh youtube stuff and a lot of it was focused on trans content which i thought was like you know good but it was like learning out of like the advocate and it was also like i was coming out still exploring what who i was and so like that was a big part of like me sort of like trying to figure out who i was but one element of myself that i i knew uh like like was always been core to my being was star trek and that was right around the time discovery was coming out and so i found early success 
like doing Star Trek Discovery season two reviews. Like after every episode, I would pop on and do, you know, just stand up in front of my camera and do a review. You can go find those season two reviews. I didn't like, you know, my hair is all messed up. I just don't care. I'm just like, I'm just excited about talking about it. And, you know, again, finding community there. Like, you know, it, they didn't do gangbusters views, but for my channel, they were they were really good. Um, and I got to like be see comments and, and see people excited with me. Um, and that was really amazing. I think especially at that time, because, you know, especially on YouTube around then, a lot of the conversation around Star Trek was like, the SJWs are ruining my Star Trek. Um, so I think, you know, you know, having, you know, someone again, you know, my content was small uh, at the time. But like, I think having just someone be excited, I think was I think a lot of people resonated with that found me. And that was really, really wonderful. And so it kind of uh, my content sort of started growing from there about like, you know, wanting to explore these elements of myself that I knew Star Trek and then elements of stuff that I was trying to learn about, like being trans, being queer, um, that sort of stuff. And then one of my early successes is that I just like, you know, what, I'm going to do like a big research video I was inspired by other YouTube creators who did long video essays. And I did a one on women in Star Trek and I did a huge research video and the wonderful Steve Shives, um, who many Trekkies I'm sure know, he he was amazing. He did a voice for it and then he shared it out and that like really helped my channel early on um, and the video did so well and I kind of kept going in that direction and it's kind of uh, evolved as I've gone further and further on. I've, I think I've become a stronger creator, stronger, uh, you know, being stronger in like my visual presentation, the way I present visuals and then a stronger writer because, you know, I've made imperfect things, but I, I grow and learn each time. And uh, I think that that's been really helpful. And you sort of see this like Kind of, uh, you know, I, I joke with my content as I have. Sorry, I'm ranting. Welcome to a YouTuber talking. Um, but like you see the split in my content where it's, you know, half of it's nerdy Star trek -y stuff. And then the other half is like queer stuff. And, you know, trying to find the balance between those two. Um, because, you know, I feel like fighting, you know, fascism and misinformation and transphobia is really important nowadays. Um, but it's also important to find joy and things that we love. And I have a joke that's like, you know, if you, a lot of people, there's two groups of people that find my content, Trekkies and nerdy people, and then, uh, queer people. And then there's obviously a huge overlap of the two, but like some people will come on either ends of that spectrum. It's like, well, if you are queer, I will, uh, make you a Trekkie. And if you are a Trekkie, I will radicalize you into understanding queer stuff. So it's just like my goal. My goal is just to make Trekkies and make queer people understood. And I feel like uh, I feel like I'm doing decently well in that goal. I, I like that idea of the huge Venn diagram of those two groups. And it like it's not a circle, like you said, but there's there's a significant overlap. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. like the idea of those lines of the overlap kind of becoming amorphous and blob like as <laughs> each spreads yeah. into the other. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. There's a lot uh, to to kind of unpack on all of the things you've said and and I think the perspectives from which Dan and I sort of more or less come from. I mean, we're not exactly the same, obviously no one is, but seeing your work, Jesse, seeing you act within the Star Trek community like we've talked about, but then also in the larger uh, LGBTQ community at large. Um, one thing that really uh, I admire about you specifically is in your search for understanding yourself better, I also really feel um, a sense of dignity uh, from you. You, have a, you carry a dignity to you that um, I really admire. And I think that you being able to express your voice this way gives folks like myself who, you know, I mean, like I said, we, Dan and I could ultimately hide in plain sight if we wanted to, um, in a lot of ways. And it makes the feeling of not feeling like I'm the center, right? Um, I've grown up very much 
understanding myself as the center of attention in a lot of ways, um, given the way society moves itself and everything like that. And the uh, the act of of seeing yourself to, as not centered and as not the main character of the story is equal parts liberating and educating. And the more I listen, the more I learn. And I love listening to you. I love listening to what you have to say. Um, we spoke before recording about you know how you handled yourself in a bit of a frustrating um, social media situation that took place with you know a fellow trans person who who is herself going through her own sort of exploration of who she is and everything and and whatnot. But the way you've always handled yourself is is with such a level of of dignity that outshines those those fascist ideations and stuff like that. And it gives folks like myself a lot to reflect on and then a lot to rise to the occasion for in the, in that respect. And and being a part of a of a community that is so just diverse and so open and so loving and caring and, and as you've said, joyful. I don't really have an end to the point. I just wanted to say that I admire and respect your dignity and uh, it's pretty awesome well thank you so uh, first off I want to say thank you for that it means a lot especially um, you know it kind of made me think about stuff that I've been going through lately without getting too too dark you know a lot of the content that I've made you know I, I joked earlier but it's like I've been doing less and less Star Trek specific stuff uh, just because not because I don't want to but because, um, you know, there's been so much needing to, f like, fight really horrific stuff. You know, I've had to, had to do stuff on, you know, just Matt Walsh. If anyone knows who he is, you shouldn't. If you if you don't know who he is, that's probably for the best. But, like, people who are really transphobic person, you know, other really transphobic people, bigots who have done a lot of harm. And I've had to focus on that a lot lately. Just over the past few weeks, especially with the event that you were talking about that I won't go into specifics on. But, like, you know, I just realized how much of a mental toll that takes uh, to, to a person. It was really got really dark a few weeks ago it was just it was not great and you know that's part of what really horrific stuff wants people to do they want you to, to be endlessly fighting these battles with them again we we're talking about they want the fight and it breaks you down and it's it can be really rough and i remember i was on a call with a friend as i was sort of like dealing with a lot of the crap that i was going through at that time and they sort of said, you know, yeah, it's it's one of the hard things that happens, you know, to to people who try to fight these fights is they start to lose their faith in humanity sometimes. Because uh, I was like talking about that, it's like it just really sucks that people that I, you know, I try my best to believe in the best of people, and sometimes people don't live up to that, mm -hmm. um, and that and that hurts on a personal, visceral level. But you know, I, I sort of thought about that, and it's like that's something that I never want to lose about myself. And the way I can always find myself way back to it is through, you know, again, what we were talking about, community and caring and kindness. Um, and that's what I always try to to focus on. And Star Trek helps me do that, but things like this help me do that. Um, having projects that are uh, hopeful help me do that. And and that's why I like having these things. You know, I've been, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I think I have a video. I'll do it like a small video on my secondary channel where I want to talk about it. But it's like when we talk about these like sort of like very darker movements, they want the conversation to be on their terms. They want it to be about like eliminating transgenderism, which is now a discussion. Like they, they want the topic to be there, which is awful, disgusting and horrible and ghoulish. Genocidal. Let's just say that. Yeah, it, just, yeah, yeah, genocidal. Exactly, 100%. genocidal. They they want the conversation there. And yes, we need to fight them there. And we need to say that that's awful and make sure to push back. But like, that's what the conversation is. And, and, it, can, and it only just decays further from that. And it's like, important. I think it's really important to have moments where we're like, but this is where the conversation needs to be. We dictate the terms of our own conversation. And we do that by creating things that we are excited about, having conversations about things we're excited about, having conversations with people that we care about. 
um, like all of you. And I think that 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 allows us to like not constantly have the talk discussion on their terms because that's what they want it to be. And I think um, that's something that I am constantly trying to focus on. And I appreciate you saying that, you know, I, I do it with dignity because that's one of the things I try my best to do. And, and when it, the events happened a few weeks ago, you know, one of the things that I was sort of like finding myself in is like reactive stuff, you know, you know, the JK Rowling Hogwarts legacy stuff, which I won't really get here. But it's like, oh, it became about I even did like two videos about that where it's like, here's my video. I'm done with it. But then. And then their conversation kept going. It's like, oh, I'll do a video about that. And then I'll do a video about that. And then that's sort of like what led to like the really horrible stuff um, because I, I had ended up being reactive to their conversations, reactive to these like decaying conversations that constantly make it worse and worse and worse. Um, and, and so that's, that was a lesson for me to be like, you know, it's important to have these conversations like this, this far, no further. But, uh, but then from there to like make sure that it's don't get caught in those endless culture war loops and focus on generating things. And that and that yeah to articulate that that better is that like you still have moments where where like well, all of us you're prone to irreverence which also I kind of find mm -hmm. fun. Um, but <laughs> but it is in that sense of of you recognized the the terrain and and like someone like myself like I don't I think I weighed in like once kind of briefly um in the whole kind of thing overall. But again as a as a supporter, as a, as a person who wants to, who wants to, but cannot necessarily identify It's like, it's the con it's the Simpsons concept of being cool. You can't say you're cool. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to call myself an ally. I'm going to say that I strive to be one. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's also folks like myself shutting up and not fighting all of the battles and, but being, but being like present, being there, being, you know, sometimes someone like myself has to put their body in the way. And sometimes someone like myself needs to just shut the F up. Um, yeah. And I think learning that is probably the one big call I would say to the people who are like, I support trans rights. I support, support I support, you know, queer people. I, I support, you know, progressive ways of, of envisioning society. But as long as you can also understand that because of that, you are now a part of something, not the central focus of it. So when you might get ignored or passed over for certain things, this isn't this isn't your oppression now popping up. This isn't a zero sum game, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And I and I think you know in our in Star Trek fandom, we've really learned that that no win scenario that you got pulled into, um, you found your way out of it, and I, I admire that. That's that's pretty cool. And and so, you know on that joyful positive end of it we do kind of have to be a bit of the the rubber to the to the glue in a lot of cases and by talking about the things we love talking about the things that that make us tick and make us happy and, and make us who we are i think is is what's worthy of celebration and yeah, um, it's restorative too it's restorative as well absolutely yeah. yeah definitely um the other thing too just on uh, a term that i've been learning more uh to use is accomplice as opposed to ally uh, especially 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 as you know again things do seem to get darker at times allies are people who do say like they support and that's great we need allies allies are phenomenal and i adore allies who people who who work to be allies and strive to be allies but uh accomplices are different in the sense that like they allies are like there to support whereas accomplices have skin in the game i guess is the is the way to say it um and we're working alongside of people and i would say like both of you have shown that you're accomplices to the trans community um and, and want to fight alongside us and with us um and then and then for me too is like me needing to learn that you know i am also not the center of attention either you know there's a lot of focus on anti-trans bigotry but uh, you know 
you know, we I talk about things like anti-trans bigotry comes out of like colonization and uh, colonial periods and how that came out of like to justify slavery against black people. Um, you know, those sort of gender norms that we, we have in our society comes out of like justifying is like, well, you know, people of color, black people, they aren't, they aren't this, they're, they're not human. And so I used to say like trans people are, white trans people specifically are, you know, the, we get hurt and we get harmed by these things, but we are not the primary targets. And so I have to understand that like, you know, black people, black trans women specifically too, um, you know, I need to be an accomplice and ally as best I can be is, and they get to bequeath that title upon me, but like I try my best to, to uh bequeath is the wrong word but you know what i'm saying <laughs> um but uh the uh, try to work alongside other communities too and you know in many different communities indigenous communities uh like cis women who are also fighting their own fights with reproductive health like it's all about again it's that same infinite diversity and infinite combinations thing where it's like yeah we focus on getting making each other greater but it's also like we have to also realize that we have we have all intersecting fights like anti-semitism is interlocked with transphobia is interlocked with racism these are not sexism these are not separate silos but all interlocking fights that we work together to fight together well one of the big reasons i wanted to have you on the show was of course uh to talk about a project that you're working on uh with a familiar star trek name as well but uh, I- i'm really curious about this uh you're working with dr aaron mcdonald on mm-hmm. a project that i'm really excited for you to tell us all about so what the heck is this what's going on <laughs> 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 I am so excited because we were talking, it kind of dovetails a lot with what we were just talking about um, because, you know, projects that are restorative, projects that are exciting. Um, so uh, to give the long story short, back during Star Trek Mission Chicago, I met uh, Dr. Aaron McDonald, who is the science advisor on the Star Trek franchise. Uh, amazing human being. So cool. Um, <laughs> she's legitimately one of the coolest people I've ever had the honor to to meet and now honored to work with. We, we had met generally beforehand, but when we were at that uh, convention, you know, she had spoken about like how she she's done science stuff. She loves doing science stuff. She's an astrophysicist. She's one of the smartest people I ever meet in your life. Uh, but she's also inspired to tell stories. And she was working on a short film called um, Every Morning that was an LGBTQ time loop love story that starred Mary Chifo of Star Trek Discovery fame um, that is now out. Uh, and, you know, I was like so excited. We got talking about like our love of, of film and our love of stuff uh, like that. And and how we also want to tell more queer stories and, and LGBTQ stories and stories of people that don't really get seen in Hollywood, kind of jumping off the lessons of Star Trek Discovery, as we were talking about. And I had been working on a project. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a story um, that I've been thinking about for a really long time that initially was a short film that I wrote years ago that was uh, kind of a conversation between two halves of myself, like uh, the, the uh, boy that I was supposed to be and the girl I never thought I was going to be. It was just a conversation that I, I was going, I had sort of like in a sci-fi way. I was so inspired after I met her and we was just so excited. I started thinking about that story again. And I was like trying to like, where, well, this doesn't really feel exactly like me anymore. What, what, what does this story need to be now? And I started writing it and I had just watched the show Severance. And so it became a story about, uh, I, I got inspired by that. And what it became is this short film called Identities, which is which is the one I'm working on now. Identities, like ID, how do I spell it? Uh, <laughs> I always, because I created it. It's uh, I-D-E-N-T-I-T-E-A-Z-E. So identities, uh, instead of like identities. And it is a kind of the way I pitch it is like the Matrix meets Severance. It is a story about how in a near metaverse future, how, um, you know, we are going to become more and more focused on the digital world. 
Um, we're going to be living more and more in the digital world. But those systems are going to be made by people who are who don't understand, like want to recreate the sort of like capitalist and, and you know, different like uh, structures that don't really understand human beings. They see human beings as functions. And so when we create this like metaverse future, that's going to be more and more focused on sort of like corporate culture and things like that. They're only going to be seeing people as functions to be used and not actually as people. So how do you exist in a world that is literally built from the ground up with these uh, incorrect assumptions about uh, what it is to be human? Um, whether you're, you know, you have to be a boy or a girl, you have to pick these avatars. Like, can you be, can you be non-binary in a world where you have to pick a boy or a girl avatar? You know, if you are a disabled person, are you going to be have, be able to have an avatar that represents you? Um, and, and how do we, how do we deal with that? And so this, this, that's kind of what the story is about, is about, you know, this near metaverse future, but, oh, it's actually about our today <laughs> and how we need to be the glitches, how people are actually glitches in the system and how we should be glitches in the system. And actually we are talking, Barry, about, um, theory that I read. One of my favorite books that's inspired this story is, um, a glitch feminism by Legacy Russell which I think is a really great uh, book about like being glitches in the system. I, I met up with Erin and she had just finished every morning and she was looking for her next project. And she was really excited uh, and, and wanted to do this short film with me. And we are, we are both really excited about it. And we had actually been, we've been working for well, about a year since we met at Mission Chicago to get this thing going. And quite literally the reason I was going to, I asked to be on the podcast, like, cause I reached out to you, Dan, to be on the podcast this month. And the reason was I was, we were going to be doing a Kickstarter campaign uh, this month and like trying to, to raise money for a Kickstarter to be able to do it. But quite literally at the last minute, like two days before we were going to announce the Kickstarter campaign, Nebula, which I am honored to, to be a part of, which is a streaming service. Um, they reached out and said, why are you doing a Kickstarter? We'll just fund it. So, and so cool. I'm like, so awesome. Yeah. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, and so I was like, oh, so that anxiety, uh, that I was going to have the next month about whether or not I was going to get this thing made, uh, is now gone. <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> so it's now definitely happening. Um, and we are currently, Aaron and I are, you know, the past week we have been, you know, we've been casting people. We've been trying to find crew. One of our goals is we are aiming to have, uh, if not a hundred percent, at least 80% LGBTQ, uh, you know, staff, uh, women, mainly women, women, people, people of color, uh, on the crew and cast. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be really cool. We've been able to, because of Nebula, we've been able to expand it a little bit. You know, we're hoping it's a thing that's going to stand on its own and, and go on Nebula and people will be able to watch it there. Um, when it releases, hopefully by the end of the year, or close to, and, uh, then from there it's, um, you know, you know, we hope kind of maybe a beta series, that sort of thing. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Maybe sell it. But otherwise, it's just a project that I'm excited to make that, uh, again, it just feels exciting. I am so excited about it. Like in, in a time where I've been like focusing on really horrible stuff for a long time, having this project and being excited about making something that feels generative, feels like it's still meaningful to what we're talking about, but allowing the conversation to be on our terms. And then also like I get to work with actors. Like I just love working with actors and getting to come up with characters and, and things like that. I, I am so excited about it. There are things in this short film, like, you know, people are just like reaching out to me. Jesse, you are so excited for your success. Like, I don't care about my success. I'm just excited that I get to make a thing because I desperately kind of want to see this on screen because there's just things that I think we're going to do that I think are going to be really, really cool. And I'm very pumped about. Um, and, you know, I'm a first time filmmaker. You know, I, I've no film. I've done film. I've done video for a very long time. But this is my first time of project this size. So I'm sure I'm going to make mistakes. And again, part of the learning, you create things and learn and grow, as we said before. 
but I just think this will be a really cool thing to to see once it's done. And I'm just excited to be a part of making it. And one last tease for all of you uh, is like, I can't uh, announce anything just yet. But if you're a Star Trek fan, uh, you might be excited about other people involved. I can't guarantee that yes, yet because <laughs> we're talking to people, but it might be cool. So <laughs> very, very so. awesome. I mean, we're we're definitely going to keep checking in with you as this progresses and, and see how it's going. But uh, one thing you said there that makes me really excited is um, a writer friend of mine said the the best things that that get made are things that the creators themselves want to see. So mm-hmm. just the fact that that you said that, that you articulated that, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is going to be brilliant. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't care. Like, you know, the only thing I hope about is like, it, you know, if this does well, I get to do more things with it. But like at the end of the day, I'm just making this because I want it to exist in the world. And I'm, I hope the process is fun. I hope it ends up being meaningful to me. And I hope it ends up being meaningful to people because it's, it's already been very meaningful to me. And and also just like, again, the process of doing this has been great. Working with Aaron, I cannot speak more than enough about uh, how amazing Aaron is. Like, like legitimately, my inbox is full of emails that she's sending literally every day of like, let's let's talk to this person. Let's meet with this person. Uh, you know, it's a uh, it's it's been really amazing to work with her. And she's just the nerdiest of people. And, and it's really great. And just doing random other things, too. Like uh, we're doing things like uh, we're talking with directors of photography and I'm hoping to do some cool things with color in the visuals. Like I want to try and do some crazy stuff. Um, but uh, just like thinking on that level, instead of it being like, how do I break down this asshole's uh, thought process and disinformation about trans people today? It's like, no, let's talk about like, what is this shot going to mean? Like, can I like, let's have a conversation about this character. Uh, like that's just cool and fun and exciting to do. And and again, I hope it, I hope it, it, it's, it speaks to, you know, trans people specifically, because I think that a lot of the story is like centered upon that in a very explicit way. But then uh, there are other things, too, in the story that I think like this, as we were talking about, too, Barry, is uh, like, you know, gender stuff is connected to so many other things. And I think it's just an avenue to start talking about these things. And I hope that the film has elements of those aspects as well. Like there's there's discussions of unionization and things like that and, and how we do that in there, too. So I think like. I think it'll be I think it'll be fun. That's uh, that's something I'm really looking forward to. I've um, I've really taken a, a quite the shine to to uh, what I would basically kind of try to blanket statement queer media. If I was more popular on any of the social medias, I'd want to start a hashtag long live queer media. But um, there was a, an author I got into in my earlier days podcasting. Uh, her name is uh, Benjamin Shrigangao. She's from Thailand and uh, did um Mirror, um, winter, winter glass, mirror stroke, uh, and one of my favorite books called "In Shall Machines Surrender." And the whole thing is written from a anti-colonial, you know, explodes gender quite a bit. It it really takes you, you know, me as again a Westerner who has lived in Western society and has mostly just like taken in your 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 average fare. What I really liked about her work was just how much it took me outside of not only my comfort zone, but my like realm of understanding. And that's what queer queer literature, queer media is doing for someone like myself is it is it actually does what sci-fi is supposed to do and take you completely outside of a paradigm um, and give you that sort of outsider's perspective on that paradigm. And so seeing hearing your energy, the fact that you're working with Dr. Aaron McDonald on this, um, I can understand. 
understand. Um, but what what's your time frame? Do you reckon? So we're currently aiming to film at the end of July. So right now, again, we're in casting mode. We're talking to a couple of people. I, I we we've, we've nailed down. I can I can announce we did announce uh, Ezra Reeves, who is a phenomenal non-binary actor. Who uh, if you're a fan of the CW show Forty Four Hundred, they appeared in that. Um, they're going to be the lead, uh, or one of the leads, I should say. There's a couple leads, and I'll leave that open to interpretation because it's kind of part of the surprise and fun. But uh, Ezra Reeves is going to be involved, and so right now we're casting. We're talking to a couple other people uh, that, again, hopefully we nail them down, and if we do, it'll be very exciting. Um, but if not, whoever we end up casting, I'm sure will be amazing and exciting as well. And we're playing together crew and stuff like that at the moment. So end of July is the goal to film, and then we're aiming to... Uh, be releasing at the end of the year or close to the end of the year um so beginning of next year at the very latest probably and to do to do the the support nebula plug do the that that dance uh because they are supporting it so i i should make sure to plug them a little bit uh if you go sign up for nebula you'll get access to identities when it comes out uh and then also if i'm going to support other trans artists uh nebula has another fantastic uh thing on there um, called The Prince, which is a uh, film, a play that was filmed by a- Abigail Thorne, uh, a philosophy tube, if people know her on uh, YouTube, who's I a phenomenal trans. Yep, <laughs> she's she's amazing. She's phenomenal. She's a trans YouTuber, and she does great philosophy videos. She made a, a uh, play called The Prince, which is a multiverse Shakespeare play about trans women who get stuck in a trans women who get stuck in a multiverse of Shakespeare plays and have to escape um, but start to realize as they go through that a lot of the the characters in uh, the Shakespeare plays may also be queer themselves. <laughs> so it's a it's a lot of fun and very trans uh, and uh, if you if you like some people who are involved in that thing, you might be excited for people who are involved in my thing and that is all I will tease. <laughs> Ooh, very exciting. <laughs> Abigail's yeah. uh, Abigail's journey I found really really fascinating just really quickly on her I was kind of there when she was actually supporting a different trans uh, media personality and it's it's remarkably I, the best word to put it is charming in in her support she was able to find herself and yeah. and become more who she truly was ultimately and uh, watching that go through again the, the word dignity comes to mind and uh, yeah yeah big fan of that no she is she is an inspiration to me as well um she her content that she makes is wonderful and, and it's again it's the same thing we were talking about community makes us stronger right. right like people as you said like she was able to find herself because she was able to like see other people you know i did the same you know i came up before she did but i i there was other trans creators um, that I looked up to that helped me understand myself as I came out. Um, you know, it's about doing those sort of things and then like lifting each other up, you know, like I said, uh, you know, you know, it goes through Nebula, which is like, you know, pay your, pay the money to do the, the streaming service and I support them, uh, doing this stuff. But like, that's part of the, you know, the world we live in too. Uh, but it's like, we get to create cool things, uh, within that and support each other within that. And I think that that's, uh, really awesome. Definitely. So yeah, go, uh, go sign up for Nebula, go check out, not just for this project for, like you said, many other projects. Uh, unfortunately we don't, uh, unlike many other podcasts and YouTube channels, we don't have some sort of coupon code to get you some money <laughs> yeah. off. I have one. If I may, if I, oh, again, please, use shill in my wares, I guess, <laughs> use the code Jesse gender, uh, and you can get you, I think there's a little, uh, you get a little discount, uh, if you use Jesse gender, it's discount, or you can go to go dot 
nebula.tv slash identities, I-D-E-N-T-I-T-E-A-Z-E. Uh, gotta get better at this. Just go to that website because like, it's a website for identities and they made it really badass. It looks really cool. Um, and it has information on the project and how to sign up and stuff like that. So Awesome. We will definitely put a link to that in the show notes. So that'll, that'll be cool. Awesome. I can't wait to check that out myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesse... Thank you so much for coming on this week. I had so much fun. I think this conversation went to so many different places uh, and, and the timing of it with us talking about discovery ending and stuff. I think we had some really great conversations. I so glad that you exist and that you put these amazing thoughts into the world and, and Ah, I j I'm just so thankful for Star Trek and the fandom and the people that are a part of that fandom and that it led me to finding you and everything you do and more to come from you in the future. I'm just, I'm so excited. Same, same to you, to both of you. Like legitimately, I adore Positively Treks. Like the reason that I adore and support your podcast so much is because you, you do exactly everything we've been talking about. You focus on the positive, you focus on being constructive, you have fun conversations, but you don't shy away from the harder stuff either, but you focus on it being positive and constructive. And I think that's a testament to both of who, both the show and to who both of you are. Um, and I think that that is, that is truly amazing. And I am honored to be in community with, uh, with both of you. One thing I just, I just want to share it cause it's fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, if, if people are looking for Star Trek content, just to give you some fun things, uh, cause I want to share it with both of you. My video later this month is a video called, it's just going to be a comedy video where, uh, it's just, uh, I think the title of it's going to be explaining Star Trek as simply as possible. <laughs> and then the thumbnail is going to be me pulling my hair out in front of a like <laughs> board. And the whole video is just, I start with a whiteboard and I'm just like, I'm just going to explain Star Trek. Two hours later, the board is filled with many pieces of string and I have slowly gone insane. Uh, so it's, 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 it should be just a fun straight up comedy video that I think people will enjoy. So we just get to watch you slowly lose your, your, your sanity <laughs> while you get through exactly. all this. Exactly. <laughs> one of my, one of my favorite things is like, all right, it's like, all right, all right, so we've done we've done all of this. Now I need to explain the Chris Pineoverse. <laughs> uh, and then it's like, yeah, I just go through all that stuff. I explain the mirror universe, and I call it the blue eyeshadow bisexual evil bisexual universe because everyone in that universe wears blue eyeshadow is evil and bisexual. <laughs> I like it. So, I love it. Yep, yep. I, I I had this series on my YouTube channel that I've done like a few episodes and, and years ago now called Trek Lore, where I take some <laughs> aspect of lore and just explain it all out. And I keep wanting to sit down to write new ones, but it's always like, oh, I'm going to do an episode all about this character. <laughs> Oh, who's now going to appear in Picard season three. Okay. So I'm going to hold off on that. And then they're mm. pulling from so much from lore and stuff. I'm like, oh, I, I, I got to make the definitive video on this thing or this character. But now they've been mentioned. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. Star yeah. Trek it's goes fun. so many places and it's so wild. And then. It's great. It's fun. And then the Kelvin timeline. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Well, if people want to follow what you're doing, of course, like I said, we've got the, the website for identities in the show notes. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll have your YouTube channel in the show notes as well. But if people just want to search that up, it's just 
Jesse Gender, right? Yep. Just look me up, uh, Jesse Gender on YouTube. Uh, I'll do. I'll just do the really quick spiel. Uh, Jesse Gender on YouTube. It's where I do my video essay stuff. You get the Star Trek video I just mentioned. That's going to be coming later this month. Um, I two other projects that I have coming up. If you're excited about things over the next few months, beyond identities, I'll be doing a video on masculinity. Um, and I think will be uh, a really meaningful one that again will focus on some dark stuff, but hopefully be hopeful towards the end. And I, that one, I'm, I think, will be. It's meaningful to me, and I hope that won't be great. And then a video that I have coming up after that, which I think will be a big, big one, uh, that's a Star Wars video that is uh, that is about uh, Joseph Campbell's monomyth and the politics of Star Wars, um, you know, neoliberalism and fascism as it's represented in those. And oops, it's actually about our today. Um, <laughs> so that'll be a big video coming up today uh, for that. So there's some stuff that's not just identities, but coming up on the channel that I think people should be should be pumped for. Uh, then I have a secondary channel, Jesse Gender After Dark, where I do reviews and reactions. I review Star Trek books, like The High Frontier, which I did recently, and reviewing like The Last of Us and The Mandalorian. I have a podcast called Jumpgate, where we've been reviewing Babylon 5 with my uh, going through Babylon 5 with my friend Vera Wilde of the Council of Geeks channel. And uh, that was meant to be a fun one, but it, whoops, that show is also about fascism, so it's become relevant. <laughs> um, sorry that it's a, kind of that's the running theme, but unfortunately that's that's the case. But so listen to that. That's a, lo- a fun time where we sort of talk about harder stuff, but again, hopefully around a fun show. And then I'm on Nebula and Patreon. Those are the ways, too, if you want to directly support what I do, signing up for Nebula using my link or helping support me on Patreon. Those are both ways to to get extra stuff and support me directly. Rock on. Well, you can contact the podcast at PositivelyTrek at gmail.com. Join our discussion group on Facebook. Just search for Positively Trek Discussion Group. We'll let you in as long as you agree to the rules. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, we are still on Twitter. Not incredibly active at Positively Trek. And there's something going on with our Mastodon. So I don't know. I think the server we're on tanked. So yeah, I know some servers have been closing down and stuff. It's weird. Uh, it's a weird time for social media. Speaking of people buying things and and not really understanding how human beings actually work. Within mm-hmm. them. Yeah, one hundred percent. So not sure what's going on with that. Um, links to new episodes will be up on Twitter if that's how you connect with us. That's fine. That'll remain. So thank you all so much for listening this week. This was an incredible amount of fun. Thank you, Jesse, once again for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It's an honor. And again, anytime you want to have me, um, I, I'm always here, especially about Star Trek books, as long as they have audiobooks. <laughs> I'm always I'm always here. I don't have any time to read anything non non-video related at this point. I listen to so many audiobooks though. So excellent. Well, we should be getting a few new Star Trek novels soon. I know there's a Discovery novel coming in a few months. Uh pretty light on the uh, release dates for Star Trek novels, but hopefully that turns around. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Fingers crossed. Well, thanks again, and to everyone else, we will see you in the next episode. Until then, as always, stay positive. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.